Rest, recover, rise with 4.5 CBD oil, the world's first certified 0% THC CBD oil. 4.5 CBD oil, for athletes, by athletes. Hello, Surf World. Evans here. Before we get into this episode, just a quick word on it. I'm recording on location from a campsite and down on the mountainous north coast of Spain. So, due to factors such as about a year's worth of rain landing on my tent in an hour, due to factors such as 1G internet and piss-poor Wi-Fi, well, you might hear a few little sounds in the background, but never mind all that. It's an absolute corker. Enjoy it. It's not the length podcast. That's why he's a world champ and you're not. I'm not even on the toilet, it's not even fried. But I couldn't even get out right. Oh my god, like if you're not funny, I mean, it's one thing thinking you're a funny person, another thing making a whole series about it. Welcome to It's Not the Length, I'm Paul Evans. And I'm Ben Mundy. Hi Ben, how's it going? What's happening? Well thanks, where are you Paul? Deep down in the darks of uh, Galicia, Spain, I've heard. I'm in Asturias, I'm camping, I've had two weeks under canvas so far, I've had all of my meals and been brushing my teeth outside for two weeks, and I haven't done a poo in a room of my own since I left, because it's the classic bum chorus in a line in the communal dunnies. How's your life? Uh, well, thanks. Um, I've been summer holidays, uh, the UK blowing a bit of a gale, I was hoping that this uh, deep, intense, low-pressure system was... Uh, Absolutely buffering your little campsite was what I was kind of hoping for. Yeah, now it's sheet glass out here, mate. I'm, I can see the ocean from a, from a tent flap through, through the mosquito netting, and it's sheet glass. Um, I've been shredding a left wedge under the cliff, only really me out. Uh, I've got one mate downer at the moment. I'll, I'll come on to that, the super session, the super heat in a bit. But yeah, camp, camp life. Is the, is the super session uh, from our friend and yours and good uh, friend of the pod? Uh, Richard Dog Marsh, you didn't take him on in that little session, did you? No, he came down there, Dog. We're hoping to hear from him later on in the show. We're going to get our midterm report from Tor um, with the super coach Marsh. Now, he came down, but he's got a bung knee. He's actually just had the op, I think. So he could, he could body surf, but he couldn't shred. But he did get here and just in time to see me rescuing a Dutch kid. Um, it's actually my first rescue, I think, I've done at sea. I had to put this Dutch kid on my board and paddle him in. He was in a spot of bother wow. on a chunky day. Uh, classic Evans to the rescue. Um, but yeah, camp site life, lots, lots of Dutch people uh, around here, a few Germans, a couple of, couple of Brits, one or two French. And um, yeah, just basically lots of trying to get on the Wi-Fi and getting really frustrated and um, sort of burning yourself on, on the kettle and kind of trying to light this, you know, the wind not blowing on the stove and stuff like that. Just hashtag camp life, mate. Do you want to hear my anecdote about training for near-death experiences? Yeah, hit me. What happened? Tell me. Tell me. Uh, well, you know, big wave season's only just around the corner and you know, it's not the length listers might be wondering how, how can they train for that? kind of near-death experience that kind of drowning that situation because you can't drown yourself can you you, know, you go into a pool it's sort of impossible you try to hold yourself underwater you just come up do you know what I mean you can't you can't sort of fake it well yesterday I was doing a, doing a bit of work creating a bit of content for wavelengthmag.com free to everyone no paywall on there I was doing a bit of work and I'm feeling peckish so had a bit of sort of quite stale Spanish, quite dry sliced bread, just one slice and some peanut butter. And because I hadn't done the wash night, I couldn't be fucked using a knife. So I just sort of poured the peanut butter onto the slice of bread and a bit, bit more came out than I anticipated. So I sort of had what looked a bit like a sort of peanut butter taco, basically. And I, I started eating it and it's all kind of coming out the sides. So a bit like a kid with an ice cream when it's melting, I started getting faster and faster. And I basically... Tried to sort of swallow the thing whole, and I sort of couldn't. I sort of couldn't breathe. I sort of caught in my throat. I had this like agonising pain. I was like, <laughs> like that. So I reached for the only thing that was to hand, which was a sort of a quarter of a tin of San Miguel that had been in the midday sun. It was like warmer than than some cups of tea that I've drunk, and there were like sort of family of five wasps sort of feeding from its sticky rim. I boshed a swig of that. 
I might have made it worse. I think it expanded it in my sort of in my gullet, and I I started clattering around my immediate campsite area like I pulled down the awning, I smashed into the little cooker. Like this, I was like basically stumbling around, fucking like dying. Basically, I was like the adrenaline started to go. I was like properly like. Boo, boo. I was like <laughs> anyway. I doubled down on the San Miguel. I had a second sip. That dislodged it. Everything was fine. And, um, yeah, I looked around. There was, like, you know, Dutch family playing Uno, like, sort of six metres away, just completely nonchalant. There's, like, these Germans just doing the washing up across there, reading a book, reading the Kindle, and they, they didn't give a fuck. No one even noticed. And I sort of nearly died. Um, but anyway, the positive is um, I feel like I'm sort of a little bit, that little bit more ready for big wave season. What do you think? Yeah. And did you did your life flash sort of before your eyes? Or what, what were you thinking is you, you thought that you might death may be in, imminent? No, nothing, nothing that sort of significant. Just it just it just really hurt, and I thought, God, this is embarrassing. I sort of like El- Elvis was supposed to have died eating some fried peanut butter sandwich on the toilet, wasn't it? I was like, I'm not even on the toilet. It's not even fried. I couldn't even get that right. <laughs> bad time gonna have a look at some of the polarizing events in the surf world first of all what have you got that's the cricket ball which i know is um it, it will involve surfing to a degree but yeah the um ashes has been on over here in england and um of course the first test played um as you well know paul because we uh, had many uh, WhatsApp discussion about it. The Australians absolutely demolished the Pommies, which was lovely, but I don't want to harp on that too much. Um, but more just about the general listening to the sport uh, via the radio. And it was five days. If you don't listen to cricket, it goes every, all day from uh, sort of 11 till 6 in the evening, and it goes five days straight. Um, and it's just, a, a, you know, you don't need to watch it. I just had it on the radio sort of the whole time. Just the general meandering of that background noise that the, the commentators talk through the history of the sport. They allow digressions away from cricket itself. Um, but then they focus on the action when there's sort of excitement going on. I think that's it's kind of what... Um, it's right... It's what surfing should maybe try and emulate, where, I mean, surfing goes all day. Um, you know, you can't watch it all the time because, you know, you've got to do other things. I just think that if we can somehow find a way where we can get that cricket sort of type of commentary where you just listen to surfing, it it might be um, it might be pretty good. I mean, you've got sort of Joe Turpel on the Aggers or Jim Maxwell role, and you've got Potts as the Jeffrey Boycott, so the everything was better back in the day camp. But, um... I'm just wondering if, yeah, if, if through surfing we can emulate that type of just lovely background sort of noise where you're happy to listen to, listen to surfing uh, over five days. I don't know, Paul. Maybe we can recreate it in the Azores. Uh, me and you are obviously heading off to the Azores in the next month and then on to the Eresira, the big 10,000. I just wondered if we might be able to forge some type of a third way. What do you reckon? Yeah, lots to come back on with the cricket. It's also an excellent sport to sort of surf to over the course of the week or, you know, test match over your five days. Great going for a little surf or even a couple of surfs a day and come back. Maybe a couple of wickets have fallen. Totally take your point. I was actually talking to Dog coming up on the show later, Dog Marshall. We are talking to him about the same sort of thing, how it worked really well. That sort of format for commentary with surf, it does seem to be the natural fit, doesn't it? Just the, the length of the event and the length for the days and the fact that it's not all highlights like there's quite a bit of downtime in surf and there's only ever really a couple of heats in the round where either the the personnel or the conditions are like real kind of highlight but they sort of try and make everything sound like a highlight um i couldn't agree with you more there i think i think the um the broadcast could could learn a lot from um from like test match special uh who's blowfelt just out of interest is that is that you uh sort of like the dave stansfield kind of or uh lord tally blaze almost role i mean i can i understand that you're chirping you've, you've won one um fair enough we'll see what happens rest of the series Mandy. best best of luck <laughs> On. Best of luck. I did that 2011 Ashes, which this might not make the edit, but just I did remember dropping my father off. He was travelling down from Newcastle to Sydney to watch the uh, the cricket as he does every every uh, Ashes series, um, and he was 
it was a two-hour journey down there and a two-hour back. And it was when we lost, there was that last test that we lost 5-0. And every day he was coming back more and more despondent. And by the fifth day, I was literally picking it, picking up like a broken man. He was just like, and the last thing he said, they just, they just never stopped singing, Ben. Probably, they just never stopped singing. <laughs> I'd have to like give him a little cuddle and say, come on, Dad, come on home, mate. There'll be, there'll be more ashes. So, yeah, Cole, if you're listening, don't worry, mate. We're coming back this year. Mm. Paul, what have you got that's... Think of the surfing calendar. Think of the highlights. What leaps out at you depends on on what spots you like. But you're thinking maybe Billabong Pro Tahiti or just Pro Tahiti. It's probably cool now. You're thinking maybe Pipe, and you're probably thinking Boardmasters. Yes, Ben. Boardmasters is on in Newquay, Cornwall. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke a pipe. Celebration of surf culture and some new key culture, isn't it? There's just so much to love about this event. It's on right now. The waves are pretty small for the mo. It's supposed to get big. They've had to cancel this kind of festival at Watergate because of because of conditions, but been a bit of stuff online about it. I saw Carwin posted a video from, from 1981 when he was he was the first Brit to get through the round two. Um, brings back memories for me when when I went and get Mark Sanger Sainsbury's autograph. Um, he won the he won the trials in 91, and I climbed up the little cliff there at the headland, and he was wearing a sort of trench coat and oakley blades and had a sort of spiked flat top, and I was just like, God, he's cool. Got his autograph. Classic Sanger. Classic Sanger. Um, I met sort of Slater and Tommy Carroll at a signing in the in the quick service shop, which was pretty cool. Um, and Rob Bain has actually posted something on his Instagram. He's uh, posted a picture of him in a sort of hot a black hot tuna sweat, checking the sort of surf forecast with Jeff Booth, and it says today's weather. Someone's written in massive chalk, crappy. Here's what he says: Friday, flashy, Fishtail Beach, New Key, 1989. Today's weather, crappy. Checking out a sudden a rain sun contest schedule and weather forecast with legend fella at Brook Street Surfer that's Jeff Booth um, blah 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 I love this Nuki event maybe because of my Scottish and Geordie heritage two groups quite well represented in Nuki of, a, of an August week maybe because it was sponsored by Foster's staying in a bed and breakfast a com flannelette sheets six blankets eggs bacon beans fried bread and pots of tea a few pints at the sailors arms loud seagulls screeching in the misty damp mornings just as an aside, Aussies always comment on how big the seagulls are in Newquay, don't you? Um, huge tides and friendly locals. I'm going to do the voice that I'm guessing he, he... Morning, morning, all right then. Staying with English holidaymakers, getting to know them at Brecky and in the stairwells. They would follow your progress the, as the event went each day. Surfing today then, Rob? <laughs> One year I made the finals, and the next thing I knew I had a B&B support crew cheering me on, so I'd never been to the beach prior, or I had no idea what surfing was. And I thought... He really encapsulated the sort of essence of the Boardmasters Week there, Bainey. Um, it's just sort of a classic classic coming together of two tribes that maybe usually wouldn't necessarily mix, and, and it makes it makes it makes a beautiful result. Love it. I remember uh, Andy King saying that exact same thing at one of our mates, now a coach who was a professional surfer, and that was a one event where he just, yeah, he'd bunk in in a... a um, in the dormitory at the backpackers there so there might be a, a German 40 year old German man up above him a, um, you know, a couple of English lasses from Newcastle next to him and um, he never, he'd never felt so happy at a surf event but yeah because that fact they're just from all walks of life aren't they so yeah a bit of a shame about the weather but that's 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 visceral I had caught up via WhatsApp with the French uh, World Surf League employee, or unnamed Wazzle employee. I just said, how's it going? And direct quote, Cornwall is heaven on earth. So there you go. Everyone loves it. Everyone's having a great, great time. I mean, the 
cancellation of the festival was was obviously a you know a, yeah, a, a bad thing. But I did see how our uh, our, our current employee employers uh, wavelength have swooped in to make put on a big old party to, on, on the Saturday night with cohesion. So uh, not exactly dancing on the grave with the festival, but more just uh, coming up with some something fun to do for the masses that kind of got stranded down there. I don't think old uh, Lewis Capaldi's playing, but um, yeah, good on wavelength for stepping in and putting on a fucking huge show. It's going to go massive, I'd imagine. Oh, I'd liken that to the Dunkirk evacuations, where you know they sort of cobbled together for old fishing trawlers to sort of eva- evacuate the British Army from Dunkirk. Similar, similar sort of thing. Where you know, in the hour of greatest, in the darkest hour, Wavelength really stepped up, hasn't it? Did also see on the on the BBC um, website they can't they can't quite get through a sort of piece about Cornwall all sort of surfing without without a big semi comedic. And they said they had a quote from someone who says, "I've ordered ten thousand pasties about all these businesses that were going to go bust basically because Boardmaster has been cancelled. Someone had ordered ten, put an order in for ten thousand pasties they couldn't cancel. Ben, what else have you got? This. I was uh, been asked to um, write a little piece for an upcoming um, book about various surf spots. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's a particularly new idea, but um, I was asked to uh, to put forward a few of my favourite ways. And I, I did a little piece on G Land. I think I've talked about G Land before. Yeah, but sorry, is this the Lonely Planet book? <laughs> yes, it's yeah. one as well. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a couple of them as well. As it goes, I was uh, just going through some of you know, my old flashbacks, and I, I remember the time when Scardi. David Scott, who was a the surf guy there. One time he broke his leg and um such was his sort of passion for the wave. Instead of going back to Bali or Australia and getting it fixed, he made a plaster cast out of the um, sort of fiberglass materials that he used to fix his boards and sort of did a cast that was bent into a tube stance and just fiberglassed it up and he surfed that season so he could still get tubes at speedies. And then after the season, he went back to Australia and got it rebroken and reset. So I was thinking about, you know, there's some the classic stories. I made some classic friends there and I was thinking maybe it was a, just a bit of case of old, you know, old man's reminiscing. You try and, you know, the, the, through the hazy fog of, of your youth, how good things were. But then that um, clip came out. Oh, you know, Mason Ho and Mick Fanning's um, latest search um, clip that you may have seen was out for a couple of days, and they had a section on G Land at the very end that was absolutely heaving speedies. And I thought, no, that wave is a world marvel and that just showed you how good it was I think it's been a long time since I've seen world class surfers surfing absolutely macking um, speeding three for G-Land it just sort of reassured me that no I wasn't making all up that wave is the real deal and it still has the capacity to uh, make make you about as happy as you can get in surfing it's coming uh, rumoured to be coming back on tour in 2020 instead of Karamas yeah, well, that, yeah, that, that's, I kind of like it the way it is, to be honest. I don't know why I'm picking it up now, but, I mean, it, it is perfect for a surf comp. Um, but, I, yeah, I, right now it's kind of like an old man's, like a, it's like a God's waiting room. You go out there, like the average age is about 38. Rod Cunthorpe's like a spiritual kind of totem god. Um, you know, it's it's pure surfing. I sort of, I don't know if the, the WSL tartan it right up is, is going to do, do it any good, but it would be incredible to watch. And um, it was good to see G-Land back and get a bit of sort of time in the sun again. Paul, what else have you got that is? Uh, saving the planet's good, Ben, isn't it? Is it? Yes, it is, Paul. I'm all for it. Do you want to know how John Florence can save the planet? Yeah, I'd be interested to see how he could, you know, lead the charge. He can, join Extension Rebellion. He can uh, he can do the 2020 tour in his boat, Falcor. Uh, I, I sense that this, yet again, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, this, this good, something good that in your life might be referring to a piece you've written for Wavelength, an eco piece. I, I'm I mean, it's, sensing. it's not really about me, Ben. It's more about... <laughs> about you know the future generations and our children's children and about the 19,000 kilograms of CO2 that it'll save just by not taking those basic flights to do the CT for one year um, the bad news is from certain people's points of view he'll, he'll miss Rio and Tokyo the good news is uh, he's doing it almost carbon free he has to get a tr- couple of trains I worked out his itinerary for him basically so I 
use the schedule um, for this year, even if it does get tweaked. I went off this year. He needs to get a train uh, in Oz. Probably need to get a train out from Melbourne to Perth. And he'll probably need to get the train uh, from San Francisco to New York in order to make Europe in time. Um, but other than that, he's, he's sailing around the world better on his boat um, just by wind power. He's not going to do a whole lot of free surfing in between, but he will get a few opportunities. One of the things I did discover, though, fun fact, there's no, there's no train system in Mexico. I was trying to get him up for the Freshwater Pro at the Surf Ranch after Chopes, and I thought, well, I need a contingency just in case there's not much wind he can get put into Mexico and just train up. But um, no, no rail network. Do you know that, Ben? Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that, Paul. No, I know the the train from um, Sydney to Perth you're referring to as the uh, Indian Pacific takes um, three days. Yeah, yeah, amazing trip. I'd, I'd, I'd like to watch that. Qu- quicker than sailing. So he'd need another boat waiting there, basically. Um, so for that leg, but he'd just go up to Bali and then back again for, for Margie's. Um, he he's not going to Tokyo anyway, so you don't have to worry about that. Well, yeah, he's going to be in the Indian Ocean when, when the Olympics is happening. He's going to be um, sailing between uh, WA and J-Bay, basically. It's oh, a much better use of his time. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's good for you and your... Um, and how, has he responded to this itinerary? Have you sent it on to his, his people? Have your people talked to his people? He hasn't got he hasn't got back to me yet. Um, he hasn't got back to me yet. I've had a couple of comments on, on the Facebook page. Um, he should... If that was to happen, you should get like a weighted point through based on your carbon footprint. So that would encourage the other surfers. That was in that was also my article. I I, oh, I said that. Should have read it. Yeah, I said that. You know, other surfers can kind of pick that up and run with it. I mean, it would make sense if some others went with him, so they weren't flying as well. And um, sure, the the World Surf League needs to really kind of get. Seems very out of date to me. Burning up fossil fuels, flying around the planet. What was it? Nineteen seventy. So um, I think they need to update it by giving more points to those that sailed there. And my idea, I'm, I, you know, I don't want a sort of finders fee for it. I'm, I'm not looking for money up front. I, I liken it to Volvo inventing the three-point seatbelt and not putting a copyright on it just so they could save lives. Oh, Shane Dorian and his uh, Bouncy vest. What up? This is Shane Dorian. Same sort of deal. Similar kind of deal. Me, Shane, and Volvo. You know, just <laughs> that classic triumvirate. Um, ben, what have you got? That's. Um, bad. Well, I think I've, I've sort of got a sense of deja vu about this, but um, it's pretty timely. The old um. The annual Four Seasons uh, trophy in the Maldives. Yuck. Uh, Maldives. Yuck. I mean, once upon a time, this is, I mean, this is an event where they get four surfers, they um, fly them out, obviously, to a, a five-star luxury resort in the Maldives, have a comp on a single fin, a tri-fin, and a, um, a twin fin. And, you know, once upon a time, they used to get sort of... It was a novelty, wasn't it? There was different servers from different areas on different equipment. It felt quite new. Now, this year was Josh Kerr, Matt Wilco and Parco, um, you know, flying out with their families to enjoy a week-long sort of luxury. Oh, and Kai Lenny. It basically felt like like one of those losers rounds uh, from last year's CT in Portugal or something. And they're kind of surfing the boards that, you know, they've had them purposely made by their, their own shapers. They kind of ride them like, like um, just like thrusters, just trying to sort of manufacture normal sort of surfing on single fins and then it's just all about in between force feeding us you know this luxury holiday trip that only rich cunts can afford anyway and i just i've seen it before i just i kind of keep sort of getting drawn into it i mean i I appreciate it's been a pretty um, impressive marketing tool but i just i just don't want to i just don't need this in my life surfing doesn't need it can we just can we just stop it it's Bad Paul, and I don't think I said it last year, but I'm saying it again. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting gag reflexes uh, on a number of levels, not least of all carbon footprint. It might also be the the sort of least significant surf event in the world, considering you know, quite quite decent talent there, but doesn't doesn't really make that much noise. I don't even think the surfers themselves post about it on their own kind of socials. So, well, only what they're contractually obliged to. <laughs> um, yeah, yuck. No, I'm with you there, Minging. And um, that, you know, that's nothing to do with the fact that I, I once asked to go and they never replied. So. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying 
I wouldn't go and cover it. I'm not saying that. Uh, don't get me wrong. But um, as it stands, yeah, I'm a bit over it. Paul, what have you got? That is. Uh, he's wearing sort of a wide-brimmed hat. He's singing the Eagles band. Someone commented called Rich and Tam said, Pitch was off, bro. Sorry, think about the note and think higher every time. Think about your breathing too. I'd also say think, you know, consider just not, just not doing an Eagles cover on the rocks at J-Bay. Or do it, just don't film it. Just play it, enjoy it yourself. Just don't don't inflict it on other people. Um, I, I stopped, while I was there, I sort of indulged myself. I scrolled through. Um, obviously, I did this via my web browser, uh, which is I've gone back to Safari for reasons that we'll come to. I'm, I've, I've rejected Google's Chrome, um, but yeah, I'm not on, I'm not on Insta anymore, Ben. So I had to, had to do this via via a web browser on my computer. I found him and uh, him and Curran actually doing a little um, doing a little duet. Let's let's we listen to a little bit of that. nights out I've ever had in sort of surfing up and current is doing the music bit of sort of percussively tapping on the guitar which which Felix White from the Maccabees wouldn't like anyone who listens to the other great podcast Tail Enders Cricket Pod would know that Felix White really really doesn't have any time at all for people percussively tapping on their guitars as, as Curran was there Ben what else have you got that's well I um, alluded to the search a search drop that was done by with Mason Ho and Mick Fanning um, and how I like the G-Land sort of piece and I mean that that uh, clip was directed or you know filmed by Vaughan Blakey uh, he's one of my old mates and one of man I've got a lot of respect for he's done some great movies back in the day Dope Youth and, and um, all sorts of cool stuff but that I just I mean I was figuring out how they could make Mason Ho come across as particularly unfunny and, and, and really boring. I mean, it's almost an impossibility. You just let him go and do his thing and he's fine. But when they started sort of doing these little scripts, these little skits, I was like, oh, you know, this that humour and surfing, it just, it just doesn't work. And then I thought, well, maybe... I think the common thread might be... I think when they ever, they ever get... Which they do often these days is get Mick Fanning to act... I mean, Nick's... I mean, he's a close personal friend of mine, don't get me wrong, but um, he he's... In real life, he's wooden enough. When you make him try and portray someone else, it just sort of goes... It, well, it kind of petrified. He, he goes that stiff and that... It's that, that sort of bad. And I think maybe that could have been the problem with that. And, um, I mean, I just don't know why that surfing and... and Surfers trying to be funny just never works. I also recently saw that Ivy Miller uh, is a surf. She's doing a bit of stuff for WSL now, and she's got a little new clip out where she travels around and she tries to be funny. And I'm like, oh my god! Like if you're not funny, I mean, it's one thing thinking you're a funny person, another thing making a whole series about it. So I just I got that sort of cringe factor where when humour and surfing try and. Yeah, yeah, sort of combine that Venn diagram is it's it's as thin as a minute to six, I'm afraid. So yeah, that that was I felt I was bad, Paul, there's, very bad. There's something quite reassuring though about that's how you know someone's like legit like good at sport is when they're like really sort of wooden and shit on TV and you think it's sort of like some of the kind of footballers you think sort of Rooney sort of sort of ease on screen and his warmth and sort of a charisma is non-existent I find that quite reassuring I mean call me old school but I was like a little bit suspicious of one people that actually look like they're kind of like presenters I, I quite like my sports stars to just be sort of terrible and really awkward I've got one more bad I'll just have a quick shout at it if I may Paul um, 
Uh, the death of Damien Lovelock. Uh, this might be a bit of an Australian-centric thing, but um, Damien Lovelock was the frontman of a band called the Celibate Rifles, which over here sort of elicits a bit of responses if they must be a, obviously a, a, a bad pun on the Sex Pistols. They must be a bit of a joke of the band. But for many Australians of my era and around, they sort of soundtracked our surfing for about 10 years. And I think for many surfers too, the, the um, Jack McCoy movies, The Green Iguana and Bunyan Dreaming, those type of um, films had a lot of celibate rifles on it. So a lot of the, the classic 80s surf track. And he was just a legend. He was he was funny. He was smart. He um, he took the piss. He loved his uh, loved his football and his soccer. He ended up being actually a, a yoga teacher for the New South Wales State of Origin team. He's just an all-round legend, and he passed away last week. So to all those surfers that grew up with, with Damien Lovelock and the Celibate Rifles, uh, yeah, we're, we're all together in, in, in mourning. Well, that's it for part one. Coming up in part two, Richard Dogmarsh joins us for the midterm CT report. We got social media police. That's all coming up right after the break. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show. Send us a tweet at Wavelength Mag. Drop us a DM on Insta at Wavelength Mag. Or just show up outside Bundy's house with an angry mob. Rest, recover, rise with 4-5 CBD oil. The world's first certified 0% THC CBD oil. 4-5 CBD oil. For athletes, by athletes. Get your trousers on. You're nicked. goings on at um, social media branch Evans has actually um, I've actually been suspended from active duty without without pay I'm, uh, I got hauled into the chief's office and I had to hand over my, my badge and gun you know the worst part about the whole thing I didn't even put up any resistance I was basically dead behind the eyes when I did it I just the, the resignation in me I was I was basically I was the life had been beaten out of me I just handed them over just didn't even care that's maybe the saddest part about this whole sorry episode deleted Instagram Ben you're one of the great Instagram haters why, why would you delete it I just thought it's, it wasn't you know sort of constructive use of my time since I've been out here on the campsite just in amongst the trees and the nature and you know, I decided I just don't need it. It's bringing me down, Ben. I just don't need it. Um, so, yeah, Constable Monday, basically, you're going to have to put in a double shift, mate. You're, you're out there on the front line. I mean, I've got a couple of Twitter ones, but Constable Monday, what, what have you got for us? What's, what's been going on on Instagram? Tell me, because I don't know. Uh, well, I saw one little... I think we probably overly covered um, our mate, Sean Doherty, but he, um, he's a, a surf rider who's recently got, got waged into... Um, the environmental campaign for the stop drilling in the oil, but he's also sort of gone quite, gone fairly political in his viewpoints, and um, sort of he's been hitting, sort of stamping on some some hornets' nests, and he um it's right after the recent um oh well the El Paso gun shooting, the tragic shooting in uh, El Paso, he put up a um a little infographic. Uh, about the number of mass shootings around the world, and obviously most countries have none. The New Zealand's obviously had one. Uh, there was one with three. Then the next sort of one was America with 250. That was just in this year, so there's been 250 mass shootings in 217 days. Anyway, that was obviously going to cause it. I mean, it's a fairly, it's a fact, so I'm not sure why it should elicit so much thing. But our, our good mate Bosco, uh, Peter Boscovich, a well-known surf photographer, he weighed in. And um, his response was, false flags, scare the people. It's all about fear. Big pharma, chemicals in the food and water, smoking, car accidents. These kill more, more than guns in the USA, but they aren't saying shit about it. It's the government fearing the people because they have guns. If there was ever a revolt, Nancy Pelosi, the evil Democrat Party, made a speech last month saying that August will, will be a very hot month and that they will get their gun laws through. How did she know it was going to be a hot month? And fucking on and on, various conspiracy theories, various fucking things. 
there's a lot more to these shootings than what you think. And I was like, Bosco, I mean, it's one thing feverishly beavering away with your conspiracy theories in your own home, but when you start putting it out there, you've got to stop, mate. We need to stop him, Paul. We need to, uh, the social media police need to get cracked down heavily. You have the right to remain silent. This is kind of your thing. I feel a bit of being put on the spot, but I, I will say I've got a few more sort of more general kind of ones, Paul, if I may sort of round up some some serial kind of tropes rather than individuals. Uh, but I will say uh, there's been, a, it happens on Facebook, the sort of 50-year-old and over Facebook enthusiasts. Like, we talk about the millennials being controlled by social media and how the whole world revolves around it. They can't keep their, their, their eyes off it and it's changing the way we think and act and the society's fucked as a result. But I tell you what, these 50-year-old Facebook fucking enthusiasts, they're the worst of the lot. You get these guys to see them on the surfers on... On um, you know, on Facebook, they've just posted probably eighteen hundred posts a day from their their Mentawi trips or fourteen sunset shots from their their recent kind of surf trip down the coast. And there's no editing. At least the millennials sort of curate their content, try and make themselves look good. These fifty-year-old Facebook enthusiasts just—it's just like a massive fucking blurt of all their sort of whatever's going on in their mind or whatever they've taken on their old Nokia phones and I'm just starting to get a bit sick of it. I, I think we should maybe give the millennials a bit of a break and start maybe sort of a mass roundup of the, uh, the, the elderly Facebook enthusiasts and uh, especially the old sort of male surfing ones and put them in the click course. Yeah, I've, I've had enough. If you're born before 1970 and you're on Facebook putting pictures of surfing, get your trousers on. You're nicked. So can we nick all the, um, just any fucking pro surfer that puts up a free surfing clip from the fucking surf ranch? Yeah, they're all you under know? arrest. They're nicked. Because, mate, I seriously, we're, you know, they're obviously the fucking comps coming up. We're going to see enough of it. Someone putting up whatever they're doing on them, the same right or the same left, over and over. I'm like, no. Nah. Get gone. If you put, if anyone puts up a free surfing clip from the surf ranch, get your trousers on. It's not a length podcast. Ben, um, CBD oil, it's, it's a big thing in surfing. A lot of sports at the moment, and obviously, you know, we're stoked to be partnering up with 4-5 CBD. Any, um, any, any curiosity, Ben? Any questions about the stuff? Yeah, who's behind it? Who, who started it? Ah, just a couple of rugby legends who love surfing. Dom Day and George Cruz. Dom Day used to play for Wales. He plays for Saracens right now in the English Premiership Club. And uh, absolutely loves shredding. And he's partnered with George Cruz, who obviously is with England right now, training for the World Cup. And they're, uh, they're into this. They know, they know well, so they're elite athletes of the, the highest order. What? How do they get into CBD? Between them, they've got 20 years' experience in professional sports, and they've been operated on 12 times between them. So major surgeries, obviously rugby, high-impact sport, and they've played and trained through pain more often than they would have liked. And they use CBD as part of their routine as rugby professional rugby players. Helps them maintain a healthy lifestyle throughout the highs and lows, and they've decided they want to spread the word. 4-5 CBD is actually the only uh, certified zero. 0% THC CBD oil so that's the tetrahydrochloride the, um, the active ingredient the stuff that gets you high basically from weed um, it's, it's 0% mate and it's actually it's actually certified this rugby union is heavily drug tested obviously they're, 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 they're sweet so if I was a on the um, professional surfing tour and I was taking 4-5 uh, CBD would I fail a drug test Ben if you're on the professional surfing tour I'd, professional surfing tour, I'd like to drug test the judges and see how the situation could have come about. But no, in all seriousness, you, you won't, mate. No. Um, you won't be failing because of 4-5 CBD. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, it's got 0% THC, so it's um, you can have every confidence um, in the product. That's the quality we're talking about here. How do I take it? Where do I get it? How do I take it? Uh, well, you can take CBD capsules, 4-5. I've got the great gel cap. Capsules are a mess-free way to know exactly how much CBD you're getting. 
Uh, perfect to take first thing in the morning or late at night. They're long-lasting and a slower releasing. Due to fact, they're absorbed through the stomach. Or you can apply the balm, mate. You can use a carrier oil and cream that infused with CBD oil. And the cannabid receptors... Um, are basically reached directly, but doesn't go into your bloodstream. And you can put it straight onto sore areas. It's great for irritated skin. If you want to find out more about uh, 45CBD, go to their website, 45CBD.co.uk. There's a whole load of information on there, a load of stuff about the site, and obviously where you can get hold of the great stuff by hitting the Shop Now link. We're hoping to get the lads on the show. Fingers crossed next time out, they're going to tell us about their journey through surfing. Looking forward to that. It's not the length podcast. Okay, well, with JB all wrapped up in the next event coming up in Teohupu, it's time for a midterm report on proceedings on the championship tour. And let's catch up with our very special correspondent, a man on the inside. It's super coach Richard Dogmarsh. We had him back in show number one at the start of the year for predictions. Welcome back to the show, Richard. He's joining us down the line from beautiful Angret, France. Um, so who's in Camp Marsh and how are they faring this year? Well, I've still got the same ones I started with, so... <laughs> That's something. <laughs> I haven't been sacked mid-year at this point anyway. Um, so it's still Frederico, uh, Ryan Calladin, uh, Leo Furivanti, who's obviously injured, and Nicky Van Dyke. But yeah, yeah, that's my uh, team at the moment. Which is, it's been a mixed year for my guys. Um, there's been some uh, great results and some kind of average ones mixed in there, which is kind of normal mid year, I guess. Okay, well, the name leaping out probably for most people are Cal for sort of star factor for top ten factor. What have been some of the keys to success so far, and how? Where could it end? How how well could he possibly go? Do you reckon this year? Oh, Ryan's um, you know, I don't think anyone, any surf fan that, that pays attention, have, you know, hasn't noticed Ryan's talent. Um, obviously, he finaled last year in France, so you know he's he's got some runs on the board. It's just, you know, this year's really been about just building that momentum and keeping his consistency up, which sounds really easy, but um, behind that 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 simple comment is, you know, good wave selection, good decision-making. Um, and he's done that mostly this year, which puts him in ninth place. Um, but, you know, he's still got more in the tank and probably, you know, there's a couple of 17s in there that could have easily been fifths or ninths. So, you know, he's had, I would call it a mixed year, but I feel like he's definitely done the groundwork to have the back end of the year be really successful. I, I would like to think he's not going to fall out of that top ten if not increase his, um, you know, his ninth place right now. It seems like Callanan Medina is becoming a bit of a kind of classic matchup. Been a few good tussles, bit of a bit of a heartbreaker that one at J Bay. Yeah, Medina's insane. I mean, uh, our debrief was pretty simple, and I don't think you'd mind me uh, telling you guys. It was just like, that's why he's a world champ and you're not. But, you know, you give that guy just a squeak, just a little glimpse of a possibility, and, and he can make that happen. And it's, I, don't, I don't think there's anyone on the tour at the moment um, outside of him that has that ability. I mean, what happened in J-Bay was phenomenal, and, and you know, credit to him. He, he manufactured a win out of a terrible uh, heat strategy, and, and, you know, Ryan had a pretty good heat and got beaten in, you know, three minutes, 42 seconds. Um, and obviously Leo, just a little quick update on him coming back. Is he? How's he going? Yeah, he had a paddle in the harbour yesterday. Um, the dream is for late September, and um, I, I feel like he's on schedule for that. Um, yeah, look, he's he's young, he's strong, and he's determined, and, and that's the combination to get um, back from an injury as fast as possible. And he seems to be doing that. So yeah, look, fingers crossed, September. Nicky Van Dyke seems like quite a lot happening on the women's tour. Some big performances. Steph and Carissa like feel like they're kind of both in in really good form. Maybe for the first time in a while. Uh, tell us a bit about her and also how good is it coaching a vegan dog? Must be must be pretty epic, you know. You get to hang out with vegans like me, and then you get now you get to coach them. <laughs> I 
she's so awesome, man. She's an original human, that one. And um, I've really enjoyed uh, It's been, you know, first year in working with someone, especially, you know, Nikki's not a veteran, but, you know, she beat a world champion at 14 at Bells, which is 10 years ago now. So she's been around a long time. So she's no newbie. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, um, it's been great. Uh, there's some core things we've been working on, and that's always hard to do mid-year. Um, she just did a training block in the wave pool, and I've just gone through the footage. So, look, I think she's getting better. Her boards have been much better mid-part of this year. She's on some good new CIs. Um, but it's just been a consistency thing. Um, yeah, she just needs to just get sort of those results a little bit more consistent. She's had a third, and then outside of that, she's had some average results. Um, the women's tour is quite tricky, as in you come, you get those top seeds really quickly, your rotation, because there's only, you know, um, 16 of them. So the monsters in the room come around really fast, and like you mentioned, Carissa, et cetera, et cetera, they're really hard to beat, those guys. They're, they're exceptional. And stepping away from your crew a little bit, just looking at the tour, it looks quite ominous with Medina almost, not uninterested, but just kind of going shit out at the start of the year. We all saw what happened last year. And, yeah, uh, I think it's been said, there's sort of blood in the water. Are we, are we expecting a, a Medina steamroll for the back end, the back half? Yeah, look, his start's not too bad for Medina. He's, like, historically a slow starter. Um, so him sitting on a couple of fifths and then, you know, rolling into a first, um, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good analogy, blood in the water. And apart from, like, ratings and all that sort of stuff, what's what's it like going to all the events? Is it a laugh? Do you, like, you know, when you show up at an event, you'll kind of go out to dinner and I guess people more or less go to the same kind of places. You bump into everyone, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, not him again or whatever. Or is it, like, big family and kind of how we like to imagine it? Is it all fun and games? Um, probably somewhere <laughs> in between that. <laughs> probably somewhere in between that, you know? It's not like a big, happy family. There's not any real animosity out there. There's a couple rivalries, I guess, but everyone's pretty, like, civil with each other. Um, yeah, it's it's lost a bit of the heat that it used to have probably back in the 80s and 90s, but I think we were all a bit more desperate back then. <laughs> um, no, nah, it's got a really good vibe. It's really fun, and the locations obviously make a huge difference. I mean, you know, head to J-Bay and then off to Chopes. It's hard to be too eggy about those locations. Without giving too much away or breaking any gentleman's code, who, who might be some of those rivalries? Is there anyone that would kind of move tables at a restaurant or anything? Or who, who are some of those kind of rivalries that are like kind of when you try to push two ends of a magnet together that, that want to push away? People that avoid uh, each other. Oh, I think um, there's like, uh, I know Joanne doesn't like, say, Rodriguez. There's one. Um, <laughs> There's, there's, and then there's some kind of weird ones which uh, some guys like John and stuff try to do their own thing so they go out of their way Julian probably the same where they wouldn't go to a restaurant where they know uh, say the judges or the guys are going to be they would probably try to not do that um, and then I know there's some friction between the Brazilians here and there because they've got quite large camps with wives, girlfriends <laughs> so, <laughs> so I hear little rumours that those guys Speaking, everyone's really nice to each other, you know. They're, they're, they're all good kids. Okay, I'm just gonna. I've got. I've got a couple of questions from Monday that he recorded. Ben Monday here. Um, could you please give me your most improved surfer on CT uh, thus far this year? That's my first question. My second question is. Who's the funniest bugger on tour? Who makes you laugh of all those pampered pro surfers on the tour? Not the coaches. I know they're not very funny, but the actual surfers. Um, and uh, three, if Paul hasn't covered it, I'd like to um, get your views on the world title race. Who are you backing now? Can Gabe come back? Um, you know, if you were to bet your house and your trampoline and the back shed and that pool that never worked, what, you know, who would you put it on? So there's three questions to start off with. Hope you well, miss you, love you, bye. Oh, mate, what would it be without some in-depth um, <laughs> questions off Ben? <laughs> if you guessing, mate, didn't expect those coming. Uh, look, my 
he's gone from sort of that QS specialist that always had the talent to just you know a, a real chance at the top ten or better this year. Uh, he's learned to carve. His rail controls improved so much, and he still managed to keep his um, above the lip game as, as fresh as ever. So yeah, he's my pick hands down uh, for most improved. Um, look, world title race. He's uh, you know. John's injury just really left the door open, and I think it's half of um, Medina's a uh, little bit more of a spring in his step. He kind of saw that as a huge opportunity, and he's not going to waste it. So I think he's still the one that, that's going to probably come home strong. I tell you who's the funniest, right, is David Silver. Now, I don't really know David at all, but he's got going on that every heat he serves he has every Brazilian and some extras like the entourage is mental it's like Slater turns up to surf a heat but it's the Brazilian Slater everyone comes down to watch his heats and screams and yells and it's unbelievable man the amount of support he's got from the other Brazilian surfers is just phenomenal and it's amazing to see like he comes in and he wins or loses but it's just full emotion. Um, yeah, he's he's a cat, mate. <laughs> I love him. He, if you get to watch uh, any of his feeds online or not, do it because uh, he's a real wild card at the moment and um, doing pretty well, I reckon, for what he brought to the tour. Um, got one other question. It um, just relates around Julian Wilson. I've been watching him closely and it's sort of interesting to see um, how he's sort of had a few shockers this year and after such a good year last year just wanted um, without getting too personal what, what you think is the problem there why, why is Julian seem so off the pace and seem so sort of almost disinterested yeah I'm not too sure um, but I totally agree just it's almost like his intensity levels come back a couple of notches um, yeah I'm not too sure maybe it was the slow start to the year and he sort of figured this just might be a year to run through rather than completely commit to um, but I'm just guessing there I have no idea but yeah he definitely has been um, at the consistent level that we expect from, from him you know he's uh, obviously superstar and just hasn't been on the ball Okay, well, good questions, Monday. I don't know where this pod would be or surfing would be without him. Um, let's, let's let's bring it up to now. You mentioned you, you sent yours to to Limore to the Slater Raj, but Chopu's what about to start? What you're not there? What's tell us a bit about that? Is it a hard way to coach at? Is it just a sort of practicality thing? And even still, what what kind of coaching can you do from a distance? Yeah, all of the above. All my guys have been to Chopu multiple times. They know the wave. They've done free surfing trips there. Um, it's really hard to coach there because you're on the boats. And, it, I mean, it's a really simple wave. Honestly, Chopes, there's sort of the two peaks and then there's the one, the peak that when it's, you know, sort of eight to ten foot breaks a bit further out. Outside of that, it's sort of, you know, paddle hard, get up fast, grab your rail. Um, and lock in so it's just that easy event to miss because there's not a lot we can do uh, and I know a lot of the other coaches miss that event too but for me yeah that's the reason why logistically it works for me I get to stay home during August which is school holidays for the kids and are you obviously you're online watching their heats are you standing by do you debrief straight away how, do, how does it work sort of when when the event's actually live um on the situation and the event Chopes not so much it's pretty obvious what happens but yeah I definitely watch all the heats and we sort of text here and there when need be you know board select and that sort of thing um, I try not to get too involved because I feel like the um, the webcasts it can be really deceiving so I found myself um, feeling strongly about a point and then relaying that point and it, it's not the case uh, it's just been more webcast rather than an actual necessity. So I try not to do it too much is the short answer. Um, I 
we talk about things beforehand, we go through themes, um, and then we just try to stay as adaptable as possible and it's sort of chat if need be. If not, you know what to do. Fair enough. What about Surf Ranch? Tactics going into that event, obviously wave selection isn't an issue. How do you how do we prepare for that one? Mate, you know, that, that's not even a joke. Um, and just to elaborate on that, wave selection, you don't have wave selection and there's some shit waves. Um, I've just done three days remotely uh, with four, three surfers, sorry, at the ranch. And, mate, the wave quality, wave to wave, differs so much. Um, and there's no rhyme or reason behind it. You can't map it. You can't. Uh, it, it's just some waves are crap and then the next one will be much suckier, faster and to try to pick that up I mean that's the biggest um, like that's the biggest sort of freaking um, fallacy about the, the machine, they're not all the same waves, they're really different each way and it's, it's, it makes it really hard to prepare for um, Okay and then after that obviously things head our way back to Europe France yeah. and Portugal before. Yeah, look, I think I think Limor is going to be a huge event this year. That's why I've sent my guys there. I just think that is going to be a massive um, opportunity and downfall for a lot of people that aren't prepared and don't have the right boards. I mean, once you get into Europe, I think everyone knows what to expect. Sort of everything, you know. Europe's that real mixed bag with, especially with Super Tubes being on um, as a location now, and the girls being at Super Tubes this year. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, it's such a, a tricky wave, and the windows there are so short just with the tide. Um, the rumour is they've set up a couple of extra locations um, that they've sort of highlighted the girls to run over there, uh, unless Super Tubes is pumping. So that's going to be another really random event as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Limor and Portugal are going to be really interesting and have massive implications in the top ten. Well, I'm just recording this over the speaker on the phone. I'm out on the end of the point on the cliffs. That beautiful spot down in Spain. I'm camping. Um, as someone that kind of makes a livelihood out of coaching, have you got any any tips for me for surviving the rest of the summer? It's a long stint for me down here. I'm sleeping in a tent. I've got kids and dogs barking and rain and mozzies. How am I gonna How am I gonna get through, dog? What's my strategy for the rest of the summer? Mate, that's a hard one. I don't know. The first thing I'd get you to do is to go buy a good pack of chops. Lamb chops, because that's going to like take you to that next level, mate. The veganism isn't going to work for you. You need meat in your diet. That's going to help. There's your first, first thing to do. Get up to that supermarket and buy some freaking good beef. It's literally the worst advice I've ever heard. Um, well, look, thanks for joining us. Good luck to all your surfers. And um, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. We'll get some more questions from Monday and get, ring you in three shows' time. Yeah, you better send the questions first off Monday, man. I'll be stumped for answers. But <laughs> always a pleasure, boys. Great to be on the show and good luck with it. It's not on a length podcast. What a show, Ben. Wow. Yeah, another one in the can, Paul. Jeez, it flew by, didn't it? Uh, yeah, do you know what? With all this sort of strain on my kind of voice box muscles, I think I might get some 4 or 5 CBD oil and just gently massage in a balm or a cream or, or take a capsule tonight um, and just ease up, ease up some of the pain in the kind of voice box area. Yeah, mate. Rest, you know that, that, that's your that's your, your money maker right there, Paul. You don't want to uh, you want to look after that that bad boy. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, some great content, some good campsite chat. Uh, really cool catching up with Dog for the midterm report. Those are the kind of insights that other podcasts just won't bring, unless of course they get Dog on the show. Yeah, which he which he's exclusive. He doesn't, you know. He knows where his bread's buttered or, or where it's not. No, I better Paul. Paul, I hope you're uh, looking forward to the rest of your camping experience. Um, 
quite jealous of that. And then I suppose what next time we get together, we'll be down in the um, deep in the, in the Atlantic Ocean in the Azores Islands. I, I think is that true? Uh, I feel like sort of getting deja vu talking about Monday coming back from a commentary ban. But you've served what? Have you served three years in isolation from the Azores? You 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 banned from the Azores? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm back in the Azores. I'm back in the Osira. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Tiger Woods-esque coming back to um, reclaim the master. Well, like Steve, Steve Smith-esque, really, isn't it? Yes, exactly. That's, that's a better, um, yeah, better analogy, Paul. Yes, Steve Smith-esque. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm ready to atone for all my mistakes in the past. Um, there's got a cracking commentary team um, put together by our mate Wes Schafter. Haven't we got me, you, Binzy, Giggsy. I mean, Peter Mell, I think, is going to maybe prop up. Taj Burrow. Taj is going to be there with us. Yes, yeah, Taj is there. I mean, it's going to be exciting. So yeah, that's all. That's for the next on location. Can't wait. I reckon. Um, I reckon Taj is going to be one of those real workhorse kind of guys that always goes. Guys, can you give me a couple of extra heats? I don't feel like I'm pulling. I'm pulling my weight here. I'm not doing my fair share. I bet he. I bet he loves it. If I know Taj, but look, Monday, um, mate, you've done three there. But look, I'll just cover you there. It's next to you. Go for a quick surf down there and um, down there and, and get a few waves and come back. Then we'll, we'll sort it out. He's, he's that type of guy, isn't he, Taj. Classic burrow. Hard worker. Real hard worker. Knows the grindstone type of guy. He's a grafter. Um, yeah, righto, Monday. Well, Surf World, we will be recording the next show from the QS 10,000s down there in. Azores and Erisir down there in Portugal in the meantime. Enjoy yourselves. It's later than you think. Get a dog up, yeah. It's not the length podcast. <laughs> <laughs>